to the Publisher Book Podcast, where we speak with authors from around the world to find out how they transform their dream into a published reality. Here's your host, Adam Ashton. Today, we're speaking with Anastasia Button. Anastasia Button is the author of the book, Hashtag New Job, New Life. Anastasia really uses book to carve herself out a niche as the hashtag millennial girl. And the book is about helping millennials find their, their meaning and purpose in life and how to put that into action and how to really capitalize on that meaning and passion and purpose. I thought it was a really good book and I think you'll enjoy the conversation we have around the book. And more impressively is how Anastasia's used that book to build herself a hashtag new job, new life. What she's done with this, she's now become a, a coach, a consultant, uh, she's been on TV, she's been on radio, she's been everywhere, she's been a, become an adjunct professor at a college. Um, I honestly don't know what that means, but it sounds impressive. And the most impressive thing is a large company wanted her uh, to hire and train 9,000 millennials to be their sales staff. And not only does she get paid to hire and train each of these 9,000 new staff members, the company has also bought a copy of her book for each member. So the the company has bought 9,000 copies of her book. Now, when the book's $32, you can do the math. It's a, it's a healthy payday, that's for sure. So enjoy this conversation with Anastasia. Learn a lot about finding a meaning and purpose in life. Learn a lot about the process of writing a book, and I hope you enjoy. Oh, and I forgot to mention, she has also kindly given every listener to this podcast a downloadable version of her book for free. So you can get a free copy of her book, head to newjobnewlifebook.com or head to our website, publishabookpodcast.com and you'll see a link to get a free copy of Anastasia's book, hashtag newjobnewlife. Let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I was a floating millennial, which mm-hmm. means that word. I didn't, <laughs> yes, it's a dirty word. Um, I was a floating millennial. I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with my life. I thought I knew what I was going to do, and that was to go get a degree and get a job and retire and live the rest of my life. And that's kind of what everybody was taught, and especially my family. And here I was actually standing on a roof just a year and a half ago when I realized that I couldn't get a job with a history degree. And so I had to start selling roofs. I was a roofing contractor. And um, that means I would go door to door, knock on doors and try to sell roofs. And um, unfortunately, a lot of those doors I knocked on were thrown (laughs) right back into my face. And um, no one liked me. No one wanted to deal with me. And I hated my life. I hated my job. I was absolutely miserable and broke. I had no money. And so um, one day I'm sitting on top of this roof. And I realized, you know what? I am so tired of my life. I need to make a change. And so what I did is I called up a coach. And um, very quickly after I called that life coach, figured out what my purpose in life is. And my purpose in life is to help other people find their purpose in life so that they can obtain a career or a business that is important to them. And um, very quickly after I discovered my purpose in life and really jumped into my authentic self, that mission and that, that, um, that purpose came with a message. And I decided to put that message into a book. And here's the crazy thing. After I decided to jump and I found my purpose, a month later, I landed um, to be in front of a publisher. And awesome. he said, 
let's publish your book. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. um, the thing is that with the book, I knew I wanted the book because I wanted to be a public speaker. That was my primary objective. I wanted to become a speaker, get out there and talk and, and spread my message to others. And so here we are, just not even a year and not even two years later, a year and a half. I am the author of the book, hashtag new job, new life, the millennials take charge plan for success. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So let's, uh, you've, you've uh, dropped a lot of words there that I, that I want to come back to. First of all, millennials. Why is it, why is millennials such a dirty word today? What's wrong with millennials? <laughs> Well, I don't think it's necessarily what's wrong with millennials. I think a lot of it has to do how millennials were brought up and how millennials were told to live life, but in a time where all of reality was really shifting. And so we entered the workforce, you know, thinking that we had to go into this traditional lifestyle and life path. That when we graduated from that life path and, and entering the workforce, the world had completely changed. And so we had to adapt, we had to change, and we decided that we wanted to create a different world that would work for people to live the lives that they want to live. And a lot of people see that as entitlement, a lot of people see that as job jumping, a lot of people can see that in so many different ways. But if you can really figure out a millennial is actually someone who just wants to make a big impact, is eager to get out there to do it. And doesn't want to be stopped by traditional thoughts or traditional ways to do it. And so we're not settling, we're moving forward. And so a lot of people can see that in different ways and it's a challenge. But in my mind's eye, I see it as a good thing. As you said, that, that I guess that traditional path that we were brought up that perhaps our, our parents and grandparents followed of the, I don't know, 15 or 20 years of education and then 40 or 50 mm. years of work and then 10 or 20 years of retirement. That's sort of something that maybe doesn't sound so appealing to us these days. <laughs> Especially with, um, and I would even say the world economy. Uh, you know, the internet, it's a wonderful thing, but it changed lots of things. Social media, it's a great thing, but it's changed lots of things. And it's changed how business reacts to people and how business reacts to employment. And so those are the challenges that came in front of us very quickly after we graduated. And so we had to adapt. And um, in that adaption, we decided to create. And so now we're starting to create businesses, we're changing industry standards, we're changing the market standards in, in terms of being consumers. And so we've changed a lot of the world because, um, we're, again, we're done with settling for something that was told to us and we want to create something that's better. And why is, why is our generation so different to our, our parents or our grandparents and why do our parents or grandparents see us as things you mentioned, you said entitled and uh, self-centered <laughs> and things like that? Well, um, you got to think of what kind of information they were getting in their times. You know, um, grandparents was the World War II and parents was possibly Vietnam War and the Gulf War, correct? And so when you have those time periods, what, what are you accustomed to getting your information? Newspapers, radio, and television. And most of those, especially um, in the World War II era, was not live. Well, think about the millennial generation. What did they grow up in? They grew up during 9-11. A pretty pinnacle event in the world, I would say. Um, but the, it, was, it wasn't just an event because we had Pearl Harbor back in the World War II era. But today we got to see 9-11 happen live yeah. and worldwide. So for the first time in history, everyone is seeing a catastrophic event together at such a young, impressionable age. I was 11. And so I'm kind of like right in the middle of the millennial generation. So you can kind of think that, you know, it ranges at that time period. It was ranging between about five to about 20. 
And that's a very impressionable age. And so now we're being hit by a reality that there are some evils in the world and we want to come together and change that. So now there's the paradigm shift, number one, wanting to create an impact. But then in 2008, we are also struggled with the Great Recession. And the United States, it was pretty big, but it also did impact the world as well. And so people are having some issues getting you know, the economy back together. And we saw our parents and our grandparents lose their portfolios where they had no retirement, they lost their pensions, and now they have to work longer or they lost their homes. I have friends that have lost their homes. And so when you see this impact happening in your life because of traditional models, you want to change the world to be better, to be more suitable to the individual rather than the group itself. And so that is where the millennial mindset is. But it is challenging traditional mindset because it's a different way of thinking. And so it's kind of this sense of entitlement. You want to change the world. You want to make impact. And you want to do it now. You want to step into the office and be the CEO. That's not how it's going to work. Yeah. And we understand that. <laughs> but regardless our station in the company, in business, or in life, we want to make an impact. And we want to be allowed to give that impact. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That sounds, that sounds really good. How do we, as you said, you said you were a, uh, a floating millennial didn't know what you wanted to do and I'd say uh, I've, I've definitely fallen into that category as well and I'm sure sure many people out there have too. How do we go about finding our purpose or finding our meaning or as you put it in the book, our authentic self? <laughs> yes, you want to find your authentic self and, and the funny thing about humanity is that everybody expects something from you or expects you to live a life that they lived. And so, again, the traditional model. And so the outside world, even commercialism and family and friends are shooting you a model that doesn't work anymore. And, and you're starting to discover that. And so a way that you can really identify with your authentic self is to find your purpose in life. Because everybody has a purpose in their life. And when you're able to access that, it starts to become, you know, it starts to become a self-sustaining system. You start to move, you start to move, you start to go fast and you start to get excited and passionate and then things happen. And so it's really important to find that purpose because it really gives you the, the vehicle to unleash your authentic self to the world because you've been hiding for so long, no matter if it's a few years or it's been decades or it's been your whole life. When you find your purpose, and I have a way to do that, and you, you probably read it in my book, um, and when you do that the world opens up to you and the cool thing is is that the world is waiting for you mm, absolutely can you give us a little bit of, of, of a sneak peek into that process you mentioned <laughs> yes so what i do in finding your purpose in life and that's the first chapter of my book i make sure that they understand this is how you have to have the foundation for the rest of your life i mean who wouldn't want to have purpose in life or purpose in work or in business, everybody wants to have some sort of contribution. And so when you find this purpose, it, it's really um, going to open up a lot of doors and how you get there is honestly just through 20 questions. Mm -hmm. That's it. And um, as you've read my book, you kind of know the process, but how it goes is that first you have to really uh, understand or think, what is that perfect picture you have in your mind? Do you have the beach in front of you? Do you have the mountains in front of you? Do you have the mansion or do you have the tiny home? What is most important to you and what does that represent to you in life? Does the mansion represent, you know, um, station or does it represent riches or does it represent confidence? Does the tiny home represent humility or adventure? What does it represent to you? And so to understand that perfect picture and then to finally ask the question to yourself, why is that picture so important to you? And then you keep digging 
is it important to you because of this? It's important to you because of that. You want to feel good. You want to feel confident. You want to be rich. Why is that so important to you? And it's going to get so repetitive and it's going to get so annoying. <laughs> but to keep asking the question why to your answer and then to your next answer and then to your next answer, it starts to dig deep and it can get very emotional. And it's a good thing to get emotional because that means that you're starting to tap into things that you're usually not tapping into. And so to pay attention to that, because fears are going to arise in there as well. You know, you're starting to say superficial things, which is not allowed. <laughs> I want to be rich so that I can have watches and cars. No, yeah. why is that so important to you? Yeah. You know, yeah. why do you want to feel like you can have these things? Because you come from a place of lack. What is it? And so you really need to dig deep. And finally, at the end of the 20 questions, and, you know, sometimes it might take you more. It might take you less. I've had people to do, identify their purpose in five questions. I've had people identify their purpose in 40, but my average is 20. And so I say, you know, 20 questions, here we go. And so what you do is you create a purpose statement. You have to make a statement to yourself what your purpose is. Well, who am I? What's important to me? And how, how do I want to make every decision in my life to make sure that I stay aligned with my purpose? And that purpose statement, oh man, you'd be surprised what happens when people find that. Their eyes just light up, their passion comes out, and they get so excited. They feel like the world has come off their shoulders because the expectations are now gone. It's all about you and accomplishing your dreams. And you understand that when you start to do that, you start to create an impact in other people's lives and to what's important to you. So that was a really long-winded answer, no, but that's I, hope awesome. you, I hope that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And as you say, it's, it is chapter one because it is so important. It's the first step really, isn't it? Finding that purpose. Uh, and it's sort of, I guess, what can then help propel you forwards. You also then talk about things that start to hold you back, those fears. So, uh, and you talk about identifying your fears and, and conquering your fears. Uh, what is some of, what's some of your, your advice around identifying those fears and, and then trying to eliminate them? Well, you'll discover a lot of yourself through those 20 questions first. But then when you move forward from that, it's important to identify what your primary fear is. And that's why I made that chapter two. You have to know what's going to stop you. You have the fuel. You have the vehicle. Now let's create a system so you can blow through those obstacles that come through you. Now, I, I hate it when people are like, okay, well, I can get over my fears. No. No, we're not going to go over, we're not going to go under, we're not going to go around, we're not going to go and hide. <laughs> we are literally going to be a snowplow or whatever you want to call that. And we are going to blow through these obstacles because you have to identify that they're real. And so we, we get down to what is your fear. And that kind of comes from the purpose side into the fear. You can usually kind of identify your fear through the purpose questions. But there are usually two fears that, the two fears that all people have. And you have a primary fear. And those two fears are, I am not good enough, mm -hmm. and I am not loved. And so your primary fear is one of those two. Now, very rarely will you find something different. But generally, or probably, your fear is either one of those two. Now, mine personally is, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so to come from a roofing job where every day people were throwing doors in my face telling me I was not good enough, I was not good enough. It was challenging that fear that I had, and it was a cycle. But the crazy thing is, is once you start to create tools to blow through those fears every time they come in your way, because it's going to continue to cycle in your life. You know, 20 years from now, two days from now, two hours from now, it can happen. But when you create those tools to blow through that fear, you will soon realize 
that the more the fear comes, the faster you'll move through it, the faster you'll blow through that and move on and don't have to stop your momentum. You will keep going. As you say, you can, you can maybe hide, you can maybe try to go around it, but only for so long. Eventually, you're gonna, it's, it's, it's going to hold you back at some point, so may as well get through it now. Absolutely. Okay, so we found our purpose. We've, we've eliminated our fears. We've gone through them. Uh, how do we go about, I guess, creating, uh, creating something around our purpose? How, yeah, what, obviously, it's going to be different for everyone, but uh, yeah, yes. what, what's some of your tips in regards to that? You know, a purpose can be fulfilled in so many different ways. And it's not so much about what you are going to do in life. It's what excites you. What is so passionate? What is something you want to solve? What is something that you are tired of hearing about? But get excited to the solutions, to the creativity of solving those problems. Those are some of the things you really need to highlight. And you will also find, um, again, going back to that purpose, you will find some reasoning in there, something that you do want to solve, something that really does bother you. And a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, your pain becomes your purpose. And with that, you will start to identify something that resonates with you as such a career or a business you want to start or co-found or whatever that looks like to you. So what are what gets you excited in the day? You know, I, I had a client once actually. Um, he got so excited talking about inventions. <laughs> and I mean, this is a guy actually, he was in the roofing industry as well. And then he moved on to something else and something else and something else. And he just kind of floated again. He was floating around. And um, finally I said, Okay, but you're not going back to your purpose. You're 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 coming back to fear because you had children and you want to provide for them. You're coming back to your fear that you're not good enough for your kids. And so you really need to find something that's going to be very passionate for you to continue forward. But he would always want to talk about these inventions. I mean, this guy was very smart. He'd come up with all sorts of things. And in his perfect picture, he's living somewhere high in the mountains where no one can see him. And he's living in a tiny home, but his garage is ginormous. <laughs> I mean, he said, I have no problem living on a, on a cot in the garage. Like authentically, this was who he was, but he was not living that life. And he wanted to create inventions and he was so passionate about it, but the fear stopped him from obtaining it big picture from a, from really delivering what he really wanted to give to the world and the world would gladly accept. So, you know, it's really not so much about what what kind of job do I want to have? What 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 do I want to do with the rest of my life? That's always the question people want to ask you when you're about to graduate high school or college. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? That's a horrible question. Mm. How about we start asking, what is your purpose in life? Uh-huh. There's like a that. difference. I like that. And that's it. That's what everyone's been asked. What do you want to do when you grow up or what do you want to do for the rest of your life? It's daunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's daunting for sure. <laughs> it is. Um, Especially um, when you're like, you know, 18 years old. Yeah. Oh, I haven't figured that out. And yeah. but that's all that people have been asking you since you've been five, eight and growing and growing. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Instead of what is your purpose? What is your purpose? What is your purpose? Yeah, because nice. your career or your business will follow. I really, I really like that. I really like that advice. I like that you're, uh, you're, you're targeting the millennials. You're, you're speaking to, to me directly. I feel, which is good. <laughs> good, I'm glad I'm helping. A few of the uh, specific tactics, and you mentioned the book. I want to ask you about networking, and I want to ask you about about mentors. Uh, mm. So we'll start with networking. What What are some of the benefits of networking for someone who's maybe they're in uh, coming towards the end of high school or in in university or college and and they're about to, they need to start building their networks. What's some of the, the benefits of networking and, and how do you network? 
you know, the cool thing, and, and people get really freaked out when it comes to networking sometimes. They're like, oh my gosh, I have to go to these meetings, and I, or I have to call this person. And that means you're reaching out to try and find people who can help you in your success and maybe vice versa. Well, instead of thinking it that way, start thinking it as oh, resources that you can tap into. And the cool thing is that these resources are friends. They want to help you. People want to help people. That's why they're in business. That's why they're doing their job. No one wants to hurt people. There are, there are exceptions. But <laughs> you know, generally, when you're going to a networking meeting, people are wanting to hurt you. Um, so when you go to these meetings, just understand that people want to help. And so approaching and saying, this is my idea. Do you have any thoughts on this? Or do you have any ideas on that? And start asking, who do you know? If it's not you, but who do you know? And um, in my book, I talk about, um, actually, I asked Kevin Knebel in an interview, and he is a networking guru. I mean, this is a guy that talks for $50,000 a pop every time he speaks in front of corporations and huge businesses. And thankfully, he lives like down the street and right down the street, <laughs> like 75 miles away. But I made a point to, to network with this guy because I knew that he could be a lot of resource for me. And one thing he always talks about is when you create relationships, you really need to condition and nurture them. Instead of being so much in this sales, sales, sales mode, start to nurture, start to condition. And how you can do that is when you meet someone and you and you think that you could um, have mutual benefit with each other. So say you're 18 and you're like, okay, well, what can I provide this if somebody for this? You know, go to the networking meeting and say this is somebody who wants to help moms overcome divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know some friends who have some moms that have gone through some divorce, if not your own. And so there's a, there's a connection you can give them. Provide value before asking for value. So give them two. Give them two names or give them two emails that they can connect with. And then ask the question, by the way, do you know X, Y, and Z? Or do you know these resources or this goal that I'm trying to obtain? How can, is there any guidance you can give me? And oh my gosh, you will be crazy amazed how many people will jump at the opportunity of helping you because you helped them first. You've proven the fact that you're not there for the sale. You're there to be valuable. Yeah, nice. I think if you show people that you're you're interested in them, you value them and what they have to say, uh, they're definitely, as you say, people are willing to help. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other, the other one is, is mentors. Uh, so you're talking about what are some of the benefits of a mentor and how do we find a mentor? Because it might be a bit uh, a bit awkward at first. <laughs> it is a little awkward. And the thing about mentorship is you really need to be patient. And that's the hard thing because I have no patience whatsoever, especially when it comes to my efforts. I'm like, oh, I, I should have had this done yesterday. And it's like a year plan, you know. Um, and so you really have to start thinking uh, in a patient way. It's the long game that counts. And you don't want to rush into mentorship because you might actually receive an incorrect mentor. Example. <laughs> Personal example. <laughs> I went into roofing um, for the wrong reasons. I went into roofing for the money because I was sold into the money um, money pit, really. And um, the thing is, is that the person I was working with, he's the, I was an independent contractor. He owned the company, and I'm licensed under the company. And I chose him to be my mentor. And unfortunately, this mentor was very passive-aggressive. He was very charismatic. He was selling me an idea, but then wa- not walking how he was talking. He stole money from me and my clients. And so you really need to be patient with your mentors. Don't just jump at the first person you think that's going to be a mentor. Get to know and create a relationship, create and provide value. 
mentors, mentors, true, authentic mentors will choose you. You will never choose the mentor. You can have an idea of who your mentor is and um, provide value for them and, and really show them what you got. You got to prove yourself first. Excuse me. You got to prove yourself first before you can really create a great relationship because they have to see you have effort. You want to create things. There's so many people out there that fall back into fear, but you just created a tool to where you can blow through fear. And so you can blow through those fears, make those connections, make those strides, prove yourself, and you will you will be so surprised how quickly that a mentor will come to choose you and your success will just go through the roof because now you have wisdom and guidance to where you don't have to rely just on you and your resources. You can rely on their resources. Fantastic, fantastic. I like it that you said you need to show a bit of effort, show a bit of action first rather than just being all talk, that's for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, too many people don't walk how they talk. Yeah. And that is a big value of mine. And so um, I'm, I, my three values are authenticity, transparency, and integrity. And if you're not being authentic in who you are or transparent in what you're doing, <laughs> then I'm, I'm not going to mentor you um, because you have to show me that you are in it and you're going to go for it. And then I'll want to mentor you. I mean, who wants to mentor someone who's not wanting yeah. to go for something and taking action on it? Yeah. Nobody. And so prove yourself and show that you're going for it. And they will have more belief in you than you can imagine. And what are some of your thoughts on the degree? You've got a chapter there I liked. To degree or not or, or not to degree? <laughs> that is the question. I, I threw some Hamlet in yeah. there. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, to degree or not to degree. That is the question. And not too many people are asking those questions to themselves. So back to the purpose again. Really identify with your purpose. Blow through those fears first before you make those decisions because too many times we go back on fear and we say I have to get the master's degree I have to get the PhD in social sciences or biology when you have absolutely no interest in there I mean this woman oh my goodness um, bless her heart she came up to me and she said Anastasia I want to be an entrepreneur but because of how I was brought up and everything I'm now in nursing school and she did not want to be in medical science at all. <laughs> and so I'm going, well, why did you choose that? Mom and dad said that it would be a good idea and I'd make money. Um, thank you, mom and dad, for worrying about your daughter. But unfortunately, it is bad advice. And, you know, very innocently made. They did not intend to hurt their daughter or anything like that. But that's just the world, world has changed. And so people really need to understand that a degree is not going to guarantee you a job. Here's an example that I love to use. Um, my aunt and uncle, I sat down with them one day, and they're telling me about their neighbors. Their neighbors have a daughter who's about to go to college, and they're really pushing her to go to something practical like law or you know medical science. I think one, they really wanted her to be a doctor, actually. That's, I think that's what they said. And they're telling me this, they're telling me this, they're telling me this. And my aunt and uncle, you know, they're, I, I, they're a product of me now. <laughs> and so what they said, um, you know, they said, they said, well, why do you push this on her? Does she want to be a doctor? And they said, no, she wants to be an artist. And we can't have her do an artist. She won't get a job. And she'll fail at life. That was the key word. She will fail. And parents, they're very worried about their kids failing. And understandable. They want to protect their children. And so my uncle came back and he said, okay, yes, she could fail at being an artist, but she can also fail at being a doctor. And people really need to understand that. If you're not in it, you have definitely 
more potential of failing than you do in succeeding. And here's another question. If she did go to college, I'm not sure what happened to her. Let's say she did go to college and now she's a doctor today. Would you want that? Would you want that artist and doctor's disguise to work on you? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't want, you're not going to remove my leg. You know, like, who, yeah. wants, who wants that? And so you really want to encourage people to really follow what they're passionate about as long as it's attached to a purpose and it's authentic mm. because they are have more chances of having success than any other occupation. Yeah, for sure. Medical sciences and nursing especially, it's something you definitely have to want to do. That has to be your purpose. You can't, yeah. There's so many industries, even law. Who wants a judge that's not in it? Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'll, we'll make a slight transition. I want to get towards asking you about your book. But first of all, who are some of the uh, uh, other books or authors or other just people in general that, that have, I guess, inspired you? Um, you know, the first person would be my publisher, uh, Jerry Roberts. He created a book called Millionaire Mindset. He's got a few other books out there. And uh, Millionaire Mindset really helped me because it really changed my thinking in a lot of ways of how I look at life. And it wasn't about the money. It's not about the money. It's about changing my mindset to believe in myself, to trust myself, to go after what I really want rather than what I feel like I need based on society standards. And so that was a big pivotal one for me. Um, another one, oh, I'm gonna bo- I'm gonna butcher his last name. It was called um, "Get What You Want" mm-hmm. by Boyle. B O Y L E. Get what you want by Boyle. Very small, short read, but to the point, uh-huh. and really stretched my thinking into say, if you really want what you want, you have to be willing to go get it. You have to be willing to go get it. You have to be willing to accept who you are, what your fears and insecurities are, and then to move forward and do it anyway. And so that was a big pivotal moment for me too. So those are the two books I would the say. Two good books. Books. I actually haven't read either. I haven't heard of the second one. Jerry Robert, I've seen speak before. I've got a copy of his book. I haven't read it yet though. So I'll have to, bump, I'll have to bump that up the order a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, the other ones I was seeing, as you were talking, Tony Robbins definitely came to mind. Surely you've been to see Tony Robbins, have you? <laughs> I have seen Tony Robbins. I've read Tony Robbins. Um, he's excellent. It just didn't come into the time of my life that it impacted me the most, but it did bring an impact to my life, yes. That's true. That's, yeah, it's definitely a, a timing thing as well uh, mm-hmm. that has to come at the right time. What about Seth Godin? Have you read much Seth Godin? I haven't read his books, but I could probably quote him cover to cover because I've heard so much about him. <laughs> so, um, but yes, I have. And he is definitely a thought leader. Yeah. Nice. I reckon I'll, I'll recommend Poke the Box by Seth Godin. That's, that that would be a good one that fits into what you were talking about as well. Right. Uh, but it seems like, you, as you said, you probably know all of it already. <laughs> so, what about, so what about your book? Why did you decide to write this book and, and how did you find the book writing process? Well, I wanted to write this book because uh, my purpose became, I mean, excuse me, my pain became my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lost. I didn't know what my purpose was. And I, I was disconnected with myself and how to succeed. <clears throat> excuse me. And so um, that's what I wanted to do to help people identify what their purpose in life is so they can obtain a career or business that is fulfilling for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's my purpose and that's what I'm going for. Um, the writing process, and oh, again, I wanted to put that into a book. And um, I chose millennials, and this is a big question to get. Why millennials? Um, because millennials at the time, um, I was getting very offended 
yeah, <laughs> like how people sure. were describing our generation, mm. which actually came from a big falsehood, um, come to find out, but that's a different story. And um, so I decided to help millennials to change the paradigm shift for how people looked at millennials and how millennials can look at themselves. And so that's why I started to do that. The book writing process, again, my publisher, I, I have to give him kudos for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing process. He has a process to where you can write a book in 40 hours. Nice. I wrote mine in 27. Really? Yes, sir. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I did it in 27 hours. This is what I did. Um, I, I'm one of those people that have to get it done and get it done in, yep. in spurts. I'm a sprinter, not a marathon runner uh-huh. in, in many different ways. And so I was like, okay, I got to do this in one shot almost. So what I did is I took a weekend, a three-day weekend. I went mm-hmm. up to the mountains here in Colorado, Denver. And um, I went up there and I got a hotel three days, three nights. And I got a box of wine, and I got a box of coffee, <laughs> so I had inspiration and motivation, and um, I went in between the two, whatever I needed, and I got the book done that weekend, 27 That's awesome. hours. That's very impressive. <laughs> I just finished mine, and it took over two years. I don't know how many hours. It wasn't, it wasn't ongoing for two years, but yeah, so 27 hours, a three-day weekend. That's good. <laughs> That's very impressive. I had to get it out. I had to. Well, what did you find... Uh, Maybe you didn't have anything challenging. What did you find challenging or unexpected about writing a book? Oh, there's plenty of challenges. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what I thought it was challenging. Um, it didn't, you know, when it came to actually writing the book, getting to the point to write the book, it took mm-hmm. a lot of interviews mm-hmm. because I had this context. I had this idea. I started writing, you know, of thoughts yeah. and made the table of contacts, you know, nothing nothing really substantial for a book or anything, though. Mm. And so I said, um, the publisher encouraged me to go interview experts. Nice. I did. And then I did my coaching um, for free for six months before I started charging because I want to perfect the process. Uh-huh. And when I perfected the process at 100% success rate, to identify a purpose, attain, um, go over, get over your fears, and then to obtain a career or business that's fulfilling for you, 100% success rate, I said, okay, I'm ready to write my book. Nice. And so that was when I said, okay, I feel like I got everything I need, now I'm just going to put it in the book, and I did it, and I mean, the rest is history. Perfect. <laughs> nice. That sounds like a really good way to do it. And uh, now that you've, you've done the book, you've finished it, uh, what has the book done for you? How have you used that book to help you? Gosh, you're talking to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, so many things. Um, well, first I got a, before the book was published, actually, um, amazing things happen when you say you're an author. Mm-hmm. And um, before the book was published, I was approached by someone who said, hey, I've been seeing you all over social media. I think it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm on social media all the time. Yeah. And so I'm putting my book out there all the time. He <laughs> says, I love your book idea. I think it's great. I think it's going awesome. You're going to go places. I want to invest $30,000 into your book. Wow. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, here's the thing is that people don't really understand um, the, my paradigm shift. Because in the last two years before that, I was a roofing contractor, and I hadn't made that much money in two years combined. Mm. And so to get that in one day mm. was freaking awesome. And so I put that in my bank account and loved it. Um, but amazing things that have happened after that as well, I uh, because I, I, I talk to millennials and I work with millennials, doesn't mean I'm stuck with only millennials. Actually, mm. I have a lot of businesses and business owners approaching me trying to understand the millennial market and the millennial sure. question. Sure. 
And so um, I had this guy approach me at a networking meeting. Hey. And uh, he said, oh, my gosh, I hear you're the millennial girl. You talk about millennials, blah, blah, blah. And so he's like, let's have lunch. Little did I know I was walking into an executive board meeting. And I was like, what did I get myself into? And so I sit down in front of these big wigs and they're asking me, I mean, we got CEOs, COOs, we got all these O's. And um, they're like, they're saying, oh, the book, the book, the book, the book, the book. They can't stop talking about the book, which is good. And so um, we answered the questions and they said, you know, Anastasia, when we're ready to have you and we're ready to move forward, we want you to recruit, hire, and train 9,000 millennials on our sales force. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of all the consulting fees and how much per person and this and that. But I also said, okay, that's cool. I can figure that out. Um, yeah. But what if I were to also put my book into all of those hands, 9,000 hands, 9,000 books, which they would purchase? And yeah. they said yes. Wow. So, um, and I charge my book 32 American dollars per book. So you can do the math yourself, 9,000 books times 32. It's, <laughs> it's a significant amount. And here's again, my book wasn't even out yet. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> and since I've been, on, I've been on the news, I'm now an adjunct professor at the University of Denver, which is like an Ivy League, something such college. And um, I, I help executives understand generations in the workplace and now I have a business partner and we are having our own startup and with that we're actually getting um paid before we even have a, a tax id so we're like oh my gosh we're making money before we're even a company and um it's been an amazing journey i i am so happy that i decided to jump and to unleash my authentic self and to fulfill my purpose mm -hmm. in life no matter wow that's awesome that's, uh, that's some really awesome stories about the power of a book. Uh, what, what advice do you have for aspiring authors, someone who is either stumbling their way through or yet to start a book? What's some advice when they're just getting started? <laughs> My advice is to definitely, definitely do it. Yep. <laughs> um, and to do it today, not next year. Yep. To stop putting it off because you're putting yourself off. You're putting your potential off. You're putting your authentic self and your purpose off. The world is ready for your book. But the thing is, is you got to understand that not everybody's going to read your book. But here's the also the another question: even if you give your books out for free, who throws away books? Mm. No one. <laughs> no one. I mean, you have books on your shelf that haven't read in like five years, and they're still sitting there, still waiting to be read. But the thing is, is that they're there. They're your business card. If you're going to have a business, they have your message. If your people really need to have that message, they're a marketing tool for you. If you're going to have your business. That was the whole purpose behind my book, and my publisher, Jerry Robert, really helped me understand that. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. I love it. Is it. Where can people find more about you and your book? I'm sorry, say that again? Where, where, whereabouts can people find more about you and your book? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, yes, <laughs> they, can find, they can actually grab a free downloadable version of my book. I'm going to give it away for your audience. Awesome. <laughs> you can get a free copy. Go to the website www.newjobnewlifebook.com or you can search for Anastasia Button if you forget that. <laughs> yep. Nice, fantastic. Well, much appreciated, much appreciated. And is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, I'm also welcome to um, actually have conversations on Facebook. Again, I'm a millennial. I'm a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hashtag a millennial girl. 
And so I still have some room for friends on Facebook. If you want to add me on Facebook, I I talk to people all over the world about my purpose and how I can help their purpose. Or, And, you know, I'm not pitching um, sales to you here. I'm pitching a relationship. Mm. I would love to have a relationship with you. And I'd love for you to get into your purpose and your authentic self and make a change in the world that you really want to have. And so please add me on Facebook, Anastasia Button. I am the only Anastasia Button on Facebook in really? the world, which is pretty <laughs> freaking awesome. <laughs> That's, that's good. Easy to find. Makes it easy to find. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. Well, th- thanks for that uh, that free copy of the book there. I'll, we'll definitely pump that one out. And thanks for thanks for your time. Thank you for having me, guys. I really <laughs> appreciate it. listening to the publisher book podcast we hope you learned something along the way for more interviews with authors from around the world subscribe to the podcast or visit publisherbookpodcast.com